The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Travelers Down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. I'm your host, your consigliere on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been, we've had a, a week off, well, a week longer than usual off of for the past couple of weeks. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm tired. I'm more tired now than I had been doing consecutive weeks. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Um, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, like, so we're back to our, I think everybody is probably twigged by now. We're back to once every two weeks, as was always the way before lockdown. Well, I, ho- I hope um, people noticed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, they certainly <laughs> did, because, uh, you know, people are still interacting with us on at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting. Like last week, I I I didn't have my face in front of a microphone for the first week in in two and a half months ish, mm. um, which was bizarre. Um, but yeah, um, I think a uniquely exhausting couple of weeks, um, yeah. mentally and emotionally. And I think before we get into the usual fun and games here on on, on Days of Thunder. I think we, we kind of have to mention that the protests that are they're going on mm-hmm. all around the world and have kind of, um, you know, had a, a butterfly effect on all the different things, you know, whether it be um, politics, uh, sport, professional wrestling. We, we've seen it all kind of uh, filter down over the last week or two. Um, and obviously, you know, this is uh, we're a couple of weeks after um, all the protests have started mm-hmm. and everything. And we're not the most eloquent men in the world, <laughs> uh, nor is this uh, a politics podcast where we can thrash things out. But um, I think on, on behalf of yourself as well, Lee, I think we just wanted to express our, our absolute solidarity with the protests that are going on around the world now against uh, systemic racism and police brutality mm-hmm. and Black lives do matter, and um, short of expressing solidarity, there's not much we can do on our stupid little podcast no. about it. You know, it, look, uh, we, ex- we normally don't bring up like modern day topics, especially political topics, but yeah, it it's of such importance that we both agree. Like we we have to just like you said, point out total solidarity with everyone that's out protesting and like. The fact that it has to be done in twenty twenty after, like, you know, the the the, like, Amer- like, see, like I said, there's people more eloquent than we are, but like the yeah. fact that in twenty twenty we still have to have protests like this, it's yeah. sad. 
It is. But it's great um, to see it's people of all races out finally standing up to this. Yeah. And people will have noticed as well. Like, I think if you follow either one of us on Twitter, um, you know, I'd say I am... Uh, I'm quite outspoken about things like that on on Twitter, where um, people will have probably figured out that uh, th- th- these are our politics that mm-hmm. we have absolute solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but I, I just, uh, it's just been a couple of weeks where people will have noticed our interaction both on the Thunder Twitter and our own personal Twitters have been kind of low because. You know, we're we're used to being kind of wacky and flippant and and, and talking about beer and wrestling and it just... It it just doesn't feel like the time. No, it doesn't. It would feel disingenuous Mm -hmm. of us to ignore it. Um... And it doesn't feel like the right platform, uh, Days of Thunder, to be kind of uh, extolling our own uh, personal politics necessarily short of uh, this bit here. Um... But yeah, absolute solidarity. We, if I didn't already say it, we're going to drop links to uh, bail funds and um, places you can educate yourself on the issues that are going on. If you're not a little, up to, if you're not kind of as up to speed and as terminally online as uh, the rest of us. Mm. Um, so hopefully that will get you to where you need to go to help out or to educate yourself. And um, you know, um, all the best to everybody. Stay safe and yeah, Black Lives Matter. Um, this is going to be the most like awkward segue of all time to just get back into the program now so everyone's just going to have to fucking bear yeah, just with bear me with, on bear with us on that one yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what Lee let's let before we get straight into Thunder or anything like that um, you have a bit of a podcast plug uh, just before we got on the air here to talk ourselves I was just listening to your good self popping up on a uh, friend of the show uh, Andrew's Music of the Mat Yes, I had my third appearance on Andrew Rich or on Music of the Mat with Andrew Rich, I should say, um, over on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Always happy to be on Andrew. Always a good time, fun, just talking wrestling tunes. And yeah, we we discussed the two Nitro teams and the two Thunder teams and yeah. the videos that accompanied them. And yeah, it's it's a fun, breezy little listen. It's not you know, it's not very long, but. It's, very enjoyable and definitely check it out follow him over uh, at music of the mat on twitter and he's also a great follow on his own personal account as well yeah we uh i i i kind of want to uh don't bury the lead too much but uh, let's just say uh over there in the program uh lee learned some things about uh the second thunder theme uh that if you don't know yourself it's worth listening to the podcast just for lee's astonishment uh at that um even though we won't cover it ourselves on the program for oh, god knows another how long. two years at least <laughs> yeah um a good show uh i i enjoy music of the mat whenever i you know i i see it come down the, the pipe on the podcast app and it's uh, a topic i'm interested in it's mm-hmm. it's a must listen for me it, so fair play to andrew it's one of those um, shows that after it started you're like god how didn't i think of that yeah yeah it is because it's like you get a lot of kind of um desert island discs type shows uh where people talk about you know significant music to them but uh it's interesting to look at especially if it's somebody 
you've been around for their entire career or something like that listening to the evolution of of theme songs Mm -hmm. which i think particularly for our generation uh you know who kind of grew up on the attitude era you know uh our friend amo used to always uh joke that all he cared about in wrestling was entrances and finishers (laughs) but uh like entrances it's such a huge part of the thing you know oh yeah um that like it's really there's so many podcasts ours included that talk about the actual mechanics of the wrestling that um you know like you said it's it's kind of like wow how wasn't there already exhaustive podcasts talking about the music of wrestling because it's just as fascinating in some ways now we need somebody to start the the, the entrance podcast <laughs> <laughs> and all the different types of pyro that accompany the entrance sets lee i've told you before stop giving away all the good ideas on the air <laughs> Because <laughs> I am not going to edit them out. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, but that out of the way, I suppose we'll um we'll get into our beers of thunder, uh, our adult beverages that we have accompanying the show. Lee, we've been off for two weeks. Um, so what are you? Uh, what do you got in the holster tonight to to welcome us back into our regular rotation? Like I said, I'm I'm a bit tired. I'm a bit kind of. Down, like that, I don't want to say down, but I'm just, you know, a bit mad this tonight. So I just went for a nice safe beer. I've went and got myself a couple of Corona. And oh, it, it, yeah. it's not for that. It's, it's not for that reason. <laughs> it's just because yeah. I do enjoy a Corona. Yeah. Now, are you partial to the wedge of lime? Oh, yeah. It? Oh, it has to. Yeah, yeah. Good man. Good man. Um, yeah, I, I think, do you know, I'm feeling the same. And I think there's a bit of that in the air. I think in Ireland, because it's kind of, we had lovely weather last week and it's gone gloomy now. I think that's part of it. And I think as well, we've started to ease our, our lockdown restrictions over here now. And even though we're, we're, we're in the second phase now, mm. um, it still feels like there's a long way to go, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, um, I, think, I think that's also a worry. But, you know, yeah, that, that's I, for another show. I, I'm at the point now, Lee, where I've gone so long without a haircut that I, I actually do have to put my hair behind my ears now. And that's not my hair hasn't been this long since I was about 20. And I, I don't like it. I had always threatened to grow it out one more time. And it's just like it's untidy because obviously I'm not I, I can't really keep it professionally tidy um, by myself. Listen, you're, you're not going to get any sympathy from me over here. <laughs> you you are onto the wrong co-hosts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when it comes it's, to talking about your long luscious hair. Yeah, it's it's reminiscent of the time that um I think David O'Doherty, uh one of my favorite comedians was on, was on a panel show never mind the Buzzcocks giving out about his hair and Moby just went mad at him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's just it's kind of like you look at things like that and you realize like how long it's been since you've done this thing or that thing like it's not even so much about the haircut but just that like how long it's been since i've done these things i regularly used to do and how long more is left um like i think i i I looked up today or somebody sent it to me it's uh just over a month until the cinemas are back here and that's a big one for me um and i think it's two months until i will be back to work in the office Wow, jeez! Like, yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I'm lucky. I, I've been back from work a long time, so I've had that going for me. Yeah, but it's now like it's just normal to me. But it's still, yeah. it it it's hard. Yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, like we're getting there step by step, but it's because mm-hmm. it's the drip feed. It's great because it makes every little thing that reopens very exciting and almost an occasion in and of itself. Until you see the queues um, for them. But the thing is, like, there's stuff that I would have thought was 
bang average before you know like say at mcdonald's like i'm not completely shitting on mcdonald's but it's not like i would go there as haute cuisine or anything like that <laughs> but like i see mcdonald's reopening this week i've nearly got tears in my eyes <laughs> you know that's, that's that's the point we're at now I, um, I i actually haven't gone to a mcdonald's or anything that's real any drive through that's reopened yeah um actually I, actually i want to mention that um I have started doing intermittent fasting. Oh. So I only eat or drink between the hours of 12 in the day and 8 o'clock in the evening. And this Corona that I'm actually having is the first thing I've drank after 8 o'clock, other than water, <laughs> in, I want to say, I think this is day 9. Oh, Jesus. Well, it's the days of thunder is really cramping your style. Oh yeah, in terms of your, your, yeah, that's that, that's it. Like I'm gonna have to quit the podcast basically. But this is this is it's it's less drink and more medicine on this program. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of medicine, um, I've actually broken with tradition myself, and I'm rocking a cocktail uh, on this show. Uh, I, I'm I'm not usually a man. I usually drink my spirit straight, um, and I I usually detest you know the the pre. Uh, the pre-made cocktails oh, can you get yeah. in a supermarket yeah. normally absolutely hate them but summer was in and I was getting some you know bits and pieces in the off license uh, section of my supermarket for myself and my partner and I happened upon Jemison ginger ale and lime okay which when it's done fresh I enjoy and just got a couple of cans on a whim tried it and let me tell you Lee this is some good stuff oh, I might have to try one of them so it it's probably as cl- like it's not quite the same but it's kind of the gap between what it tastes like out of the can and what it tastes like in a pub has never been sh- shorter you know what i mean it's um it's it's pretty it's as close as you're gonna get mm. out of a can i think in a supermarket it's really refreshing it's really summery um and in a very dangerous uh precedent it doesn't taste like there's any alcohol in it whatsoever yeah that that's dangerous yeah uh, but it's really nice and they're only like three euro each so um, yeah I picked up a few of those in the last week I must as many as you could carry is what you're saying <laughs> yeah pr- pretty much pretty much uh, I literally bought all the ones that were left in Dunn's the other day um, and we just won't go into how many there were but you know, asking the staff what stock have you got out the back <laughs> yeah suffice, suffice to say they, they had to restock in a hurry after I'd been in um Anyway, look, let's get to it. Uh, it's Thunder, episode 27, dated August 15th, 1998, coming to you from Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, and we're live uh, where and we find out straight away that we have a new US champion since Monday, and that's Lex Luger. And he's going to defend against dethroned champion Bret Hart later on. And then there was kind of a moment where Tony says, but also as if he was going to rattle off a list of matches, but he just essentially said, all the lads are here. <laughs> you know, we have one match and also the stars of WCW, NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack. Um, yeah. I, Lee, what did you... Did you know that the belt was taken off Brett this quickly? And, and what was your immediate reaction to finding that out? I don't know why they didn't open the show with like clips from Nitro of Luger winning the belt. It made no sense to me to have Tony... You know, just tell you while the pyro's gone yeah. off. Like, why yeah. not do the cold open to the show where, you know, Luger has him in the rack and he quits? Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's a through line across the show. You know, there's a promo earlier in the show about it. There's uh, the match later on and they show clips. So you would think that, yeah, to, to have that through line throughout the show, you'd want to do a cold open where it's like, even if Tony goes, we're going to take you back to Monday Nitro where there was a US title match and this is what happened. Um, or even do the usual thunder thing of showing like five seconds of the first half of the match yeah. and then maybe an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> but something like instead you just have Tony telling you, oh, Luger's New yeah. York champ. That's it. And it just ripped the bandaid off straight away. And it's something that comes up in the first entrance on the show. He goes through a load of stuff that has happened. Yeah, uh, of which I didn't even bother writing down some of. Uh, I just got the cliff notes. But um, yeah, it, it feels weird because like Lex is, you know, a, he's part of the Wolf Pack, who are one of the like are probably the hottest non Goldberg commodity, uh, in WCW at the moment, um, and you know a title switch off a guy who like obviously we don't give a shit about Brett <laughs> at the moment, you know he's like his fucking soulless shambling around WCW at this point, quite possibly the worst um, run of his career at this, this stage. Yeah, but. He's still a big name, and him losing a belt on Monday uh, against another big name in Lex Luger should should have been like, we we gotta show you this this mad shit that happened on Monday. But yeah, weird. Um, but before that has time to sink in, uh, NWO music starts uh, to massive booze in Fargo uh, as Scott Hall comes out with Lee, the rarest sight in nature itself, the WCW tag belt. Okay, so I'm glad you were saying that as well, because when he lifted his shirt and started showing off the belt, I was like, okay, that's not the TV belt. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the US belt, obviously. Is, is yeah. that a tag title? Who, like, who's he a tag champ with? And then I was thinking, has he got one of them fake belts again? <laughs> it's just the fake belt he just he couldn't find a belt to hold up his jocks so he took the look, fake belt he had six months ago look it's their own fault this is the story they're going down with Scott Hall yeah so did you look up to see who he is champion with I found out later on in the show who is it Lee it's Giant yeah when did that happen it was uh, <laughs> that that whole th- I think that whole thing is still going on where people are just like randomly picking partners oh so and giant had so, had both belts like is it that long ago that we did the this thing giant thing it was like two that pay-per-views was Slam- ago slamboree wasn't it yeah yeah okay and sting won that didn't he you tell me i <laughs> <laughs> uh, i just don't understand how- i don't understand how the belts are all of a sudden on Giant and Hall. Yeah. I um look, I'll look it up here in the background when we're talking about the first match, but uh it's it's a thing where like it, this isn't us doing a bit. It's like the the tag titles have been so absent from Thunder that it's kind of like a oh yeah. Like the tag belts are a thing. The main tag feud has been <sighs> the public enemy and disco and Alex. Yeah. yeah. And and the thing is, like even when so the the US title is on Thunder like semi regularly, mm. the TV title is on it all the time, and the cruiserweight title is on all the time. But even when the the world heavyweight title isn't on, they're always talking about it. Yeah. But like the like the tag belts have been in the witness protection program as far as Thunder is concerned for quite some time now. Um 
absolutely ridiculous. But uh, anyway, uh, before we kind of uh, get too far into that, um, as Scott Hall is coming out, uh, Tony, as Lee was alluding to, just rattles off a bunch of things that have happened. Now, bear in mind, these things all must have happened on Nitro because we haven't missed a week and there was a pay-per-view on Sunday. Um or Saturday. So in between Saturday and now, it seems like a hundred things have happened. So there was the US title switch. There is obviously the tag belt re-emerging here on the program. But also, Chris Jericho is our new television champion. Which they aren't too sure is legit or not, for some reason. Yes. Uh, because as as we would learn, it, it, well, it was kind of... We d- they didn't know whether any of the power of attorney situations were right, whether Booker was the champion before Stevie or, I guess, Chavo. But uh, one thing is for sure that Jericho at least physically has the belt. Uh, did you catch any of the other things that Tony was saying here? No, because the Jericho thing just kind of took all my focus. I was like, they're just throwing that out as Scott Hall's making an entrance. Yeah. yeah Absolutely yeah. disgusted. Like. It's like he had just like a flashcards of, you know, previously... On TVS's WCW Thunder. Um, Scott Hall has had a rebrand. And instead of being medium sexy, the the Nash killer, he is now super sexy, the Nash killer. Which I think okay. is... You you will get this. Did you think he was going full Captain Sexy? I, I One could only hope. There's <laughs> <laughs> that- a very niche Irish wrestling <laughs> reference. Um, yeah, he, he's super sexy. I, I think medium sexy always made him feel like a bit of a geek, even though he thought it was very cool, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, I think super sexy is, look, it's, it is what it is, but it's definitely better than what he had had. And it implies now that he, to me, in my head canon, it's the fact that he's wearing the belt now makes him super sexy. Therefore, the WCW tag belts enhance sexiness. Um, which I can't, I can't disagree I suppose with. that's something to bear in mind for the rest of the run of the promotion. Yeah. <laughs> They're the champions of sexy, whoever has those belts. Uh, he <laughs> is conducting the usual survey, uh, which puts Wolfpack right on the top uh, over NWO Hollywood. But one thing is for sure, and this crowd conclusively buried WCW. Like, there was kind do, of do a... Do not give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, there was like a half cheer, half boo for NWO Hollywood. Uh, an eruption for the wolf pack and fucking crickets for WCW. Yeah, it and was, they, uh, they, they buried their tough. own company so many times. Yeah. It's really like, it's one of those things where I, I've heard it often opined where it, would it have been better if this WCW NWO war, they just killed off World Championship Wrestling? You know? And just, because yeah. they buried... They, they conclusively destroyed the brand. Well, see, that's what happens when you, they, they you ma- when you don't have an endpoint in a feud. Yeah, and the the good guys never get to go over. It just buries them. It just so happens yeah. that the good guys was the actual company itself. Mm. Uh, next up, I, what I did love is that um, obviously he'd already gone too long at this point, and his music starts to cut himself off before he finishes the you know another one for the good guys. Um, we have our opening contest, which is Conan versus Scott Hall. Conan out doing his usual shtick. Um, there is a young man in the crowd during Conan's entrance 
who is absolutely livid with the camera and wants them to know that he is for life. Did you see this guy? Like, I did. Really, I did, yeah. If, if you didn't know it was the for life thing, it looks like he's doing a very angry gun symbol, which is just petrifying. <laughs> um, But yeah, so th- this match starts anyway. And it's something that, you know... I, it's it feels like stating the obviously, but when you see him in there with a guy like Conan, who is by no means like a you know a petite slender man, you realize like Scott Hall is a fucking enormous human being. Yeah, Scott Hall has that Billy Gunn thing of he's always been around bigger guys, so you don't really consider just how big this guy is. Mm. And when you see like the guy is barrel chested, yeah, and you never really think about it. Yeah, and, and because he's standing beside Kevin Nash half the time mm. since he got here, you forget that he's very tall. Was he like 6'4"? Oh, he has to be at least like 6'4", six, 6'5", four, six, legit like. Yeah. It's, it, it's like, the Billy Gunn syndrome. Yeah, it, it is. It's a, and, and the Land of the Giants thing as well, coming from WWF. I, I, I recently had this, like even though WWE is no longer as much the Land of the Giants as it was, I recently had this revelation with... Um, Moxley. Moxley was in the ring with somebody uh, on Dynamite and I was like the fucking size of that guy like compared to a normal human being. Do you know what I mean? Like, And I would never when he was in WWF or WWE have gone Dean Ambrose, there's a huge guy. The one that got you me know? was Drew Drew, uh, Drew Galloway when he did his one show in OTT up in Belfast. Oh he's like 11 feet tall. He <laughs> is fucking huge. Who, uh, Drew Galloway, who made one appearance uh, in, in Dublin for OTT um, before he, it was, he, he already signed, wasn't it? Uh, he got signed to NXT. Oh, yeah, he did, he he did a run in, in Dublin, in Dublin, didn't he? No, he did, yeah, he did a run in in Dublin where he came out uh, in his dad jeans and a hoodie um, and laid out, was it Maxted? And, and then they the, had a match in Belfast. Yeah, they had the match in Belfast. He was supposed to come to Scrapper in Dublin, but he got signed. Yes. That was when he turned um, up in the crowd at um, NXT. Yeah, and he got um, he he cut one of my my favorite dumb promos in OTT where he said, "I don't care who you put against me, I'm chucking that cunt in the river." <laughs> Wasn't that his go-to promo everywhere though? Yeah, it was great. Best fans in the we, world, chuck someone in yeah, the river. Yeah, uh, and then we we all chanted, "Point that sign to him," and he did. He obliged. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he pointed that Scrapper Mania sign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. He did the proper dramatic, like the pyro was going oh, yeah. to go I think, I think he, he ran in to save Martina, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that what it was. Um, yeah, and he was, like, he was, it was one of those moments where you're like, Jesus Christ, that's an enormous human being. <laughs> like, just, like, the, like, the ring should have been 20 by 20 to fit him in it, uh, in, in OTT that night. But yeah, it's just one of those moments where I was just looking at Scott Hall in this, and I was like, Fuck that is that is just a, a a lot of human being in there. Like Conan looked like his son in there, do you know? Like he was razzling his son. Um how long, Lee? This is a, before we get into the actual match, right? And I know we've this has been tangent after tangent already on this show, but look, I'm 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 feeling it. I'm feeling it. Um how long, just off the top of your head, do you think it's been since we saw a Scott Hall singles match on Thunder? Okay, so I thought of the same thing as I was watching the show. It has to be one of the early episodes. Right. I'm going to say, and I never looked it up, but I'm going to guess. So we're week 27. Or episode 27 mm-hmm. now of Thunder. Yeah. I'm going to guess it was like episode four. Fucking nailed it. 
Did, on the money episode did four. he beat chris adams <laughs> or uh i can't remember I, I i didn't write hold on i'll see if i can uh pull it up again um but he yeah it was so he had had a he had had a dark match for the wcw title a month against ago Sting, yeah. against Goldberg, Goldberg which he on. lost okay. yeah um but he uh, yeah in terms of appearing he, and he's had a couple of uh, multi-man and tag mm. matches but in terms of a singles match yes it was uh, it was episode four of thunder uh i just have the the results here he actually appeared more recently on an episode of saturday night i believe Jeez. uh when i was looking at looking up um, yeah, he had been on. He had been wrestling. He wrestled Conan on Saturday night the month before. Um, now, where is he? Uh, down this is. It was Disco. Oh, okay. Disco on episode four. Um, so yeah, that was the last twenty-three weeks since we've seen Scott Hall have a singles match on here, uh, which I think speaks to two things. Uh, one, they don't really waste the big stars on uh, singles matches on Thunder. Uh, and two, the fucking amount of people on this roster that we did not notice this. Yeah. It, that it, someone as big as Scott Hall had been missing from singles competition for 23 weeks. Especially when you consider like how ingrained in the NWO Wolfpack kind of stuff he has been. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Hall with a lot of holes early on here. Uh, dumps Conan on his ass, paintbrushes him, which really annoys Conan. Fires him up and gives Hall a, a paintbrush receipt. Uh, one of the like it's the cheapest territories heel thing in the world but I always get a laugh out of it uh, Hall invites uh, Conan for a test of strength uh, even though he's about like a foot and a half taller than him and when Conan goes uh, he just boots him in the gut uh, and I gives him a fall away slam uh, here's one of the <laughs> here's one of the things Lee, we often talk about how great the corner cam is at WCW but uh I have a feeling Scott Hall wouldn't agree with us after this match. Did you notice this moment? Okay, so what happened because... Did he hit the camera? Did... Yeah. I thought yeah. it looked so, like like he poked himself in the eye or something like this. So Hall... Hall whips Conan into the corner, but he does that thing where you whip them and then you immediately chase after mm. them and give like the short clothesline as soon as they, they've, they've gone into the turnbuckle. But obviously the camera hadn't been ready for that and he appears to go eye first... <laughs> into the camera because the camera like as soon as he gets up the camera immediately cuts away he puts the hand up to the um to the eye staggers away and fucking mutters something to the referee probably uh nothing that could be broadcast on tbs at that hour <laughs> i imagine and then proceeds like because it doesn't play into the match no it takes him it know? takes him like a good 30 seconds to kind of get his bearings again yeah to, sh- to shake it off because he clearly like he seems to be proper fucked off about it um, but I thought before we get to the, the, the end here what did you think of this match I thought it was like a you know by the, the Conan standard that has been set on this program I thought this was like a pretty decent opener for the show it was fine it, it, it kind of yeah. fell apart at, towards the end but I mean look yeah. them starting out with chain wrestling wasn't something I expected no, considering that a lot of holes. they're supposed to be in this kind of heated feud between the two factions Yeah. but look it, it, the crowd were hot for it so you know what do I know yeah, <laughs> you know, there are those moments where we just have to throw our hands up and go, well, these WCW crowds seem to eat this shit up. So, you know, um, I, I suppose there are things that looking back with, with 2020 eyes where we're not going to appreciate in the same way, you know, I, case in point, Road Wild. Um, 
But yeah, uh, Scott Hall takes advantage at the end with a low blow and hits the outsider edge to win. Uh, as Brain then says, plants him like a geranium, which is one of my favorite brainisms. A- Any time you get to see the outsider's edge is a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, back with the lads at the commentary table and they're hyping up War Games, which is one month from tonight. Uh, it's going to be Hollywood versus the Wolfpack. Uh, and Tony points out how the, the war is raging on between the two NWO factions, but Bill Goldberg has inge- interjected himself right in the middle of it all and trying to figure out where he stands in all this. Um, so then, they're, they're, oh yeah. they're building towards Hollywood versus Wolfpack in war games. Uh-huh. That would have been so much better than what we end up getting. Oh, yeah. And we'll have plenty of time as we start... Uh, Along winding road, on yeah. towards because I think if anybody is just watching the shows week by week along with us um, and not getting ahead of us and doesn't really know the path that things are going on wouldn't it be reasonable to expect that that's what they're getting it makes total sense the NWO have been in the past two war games matches yeah. one against the horseman and, it... and then the second year was was the horseman again wasn't it 97 Mm, yeah I think so and you would imagine there's now a split in the group mm. they each have four or five men yeah but you've also got like the last month or so of TV has essentially been telling you uh, both subtly and not so subtly that that is what the match mm-hmm. is because again you had like you said you had the fracture between the two uh, NWO camps which gives us two teams You've had, you know, half of the TV shows we've watched in the last month or so have had a brawl between Black and White and and NWO Wolfpack on it. You know, the kinds of wild brawls, Lee, that you might say should be contained within Mm -hmm. a steel cage. Like this Um, nondescript episode of Thunder Features 2, Wolfpack versus NWO Hollywood's matches. Yeah. And then you have things like how um, you had the, the bill to the Battle Royal. Yep. Uh, last month, which was NWO versus NWO, but also Goldberg, and Goldberg won that, so it didn't give you a decisive answer yep. as to which the best faction is. So that's still hanging there. And then, as you said, on this show, they're back at it again. And Tony, like, if if that was, if you're thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe that's all just coincidental. You know, they didn't outright say it. Tony's just fucking. Oh, he's hammering. He's hammering the home. Yeah, he's probably going, this is the match you will get one month from tonight. <laughs> like, um, So yeah, it's going to be very, very funny uh, to see how this all pans out. We oh, don't want to spoil it. It's not, it's not going to be funny. But, uh, it's going to be painful. Suffice to say, don't get too excited, folks. Well, get excited about this next part of the show, because this is my favourite part of the show coming up. Yeah, the, the WCW Saturday Night Tease, I'm sure you're referring to. <laughs> uh, where... <laughs> Mike tonight, Scott Hudson will be there, Lee, and so will Dean Malenko, uh, Kurt Hennig, Rick Rude, Raven, and members of the flock. Well, as as Bobby uh, Heenan says about Scott Hudson, do you know why he only works Saturday night? Yeah. <laughs> it's because he's only allowed out Saturday nights. <laughs> Great stuff. I love the banter that Heenan just has towards anyone on the crew. Yeah. Uh, Horace is in the ring and Raven comes out. Raven is here and gets a drink thrown on him uh, on the way out and completely no sells it. And I was expecting that he would like factor it into his his little promo here at the start, but he didn't. Um, 
He said he's here to address Horace's insubordination for costing him the belt on Saturday. He said he attempted to punish him on Monday, but he allowed Saturn to hit him with a Death Valley driver again. Uh, and then Raven jumps him with the mic and lays it in to start this match. Um, so yeah, we've got uh, more drama within the flock here, Lee. Um, and, you know, let's... We'll talk about the match in a second, but... Uh, how are you with the, the whole ongoing thing with the flock? You know, it was kind of a bit of a misstep at Road Wild, but did you feel that they were kind of a little bit back on track with this this week? Yeah, this this whole segment has me way back into this, this story. Um, yeah. I thought this was great from, like, the get-go. Uh, like, they're, mm. they're telling the story of Raven. Like, Raven broke Lodi's fingers, and Lodi is convinced it yeah. was someone else. It was Saturn. Um like Raven is punishing the flock now for all their their mistakes and faults and he's kind of almost turning them against each other and it's telling this story that like Raven has such an effect this the cult of personality that he holds over these guys and I'm just engrossing it and how Saturn yeah. and then Canyon and how it all plays together and I just I, I honestly I, I enjoyed this this just this little segment so much. Yeah, it's it's masterful how many plates are spinning in this feud. And I, it's no coincidence that uh, with Raven at its core, it has mostly, again, like I said, Road Wild is the odd misstep in here. But by and large, this has been, as we, we said a couple of weeks ago, this is a storyline that's been going on for at least a year and mm. a half. Um, or sorry, a, a year and a half of us doing the podcast. So the entire run of Thunder so far. Um and we're not bored of it yet and it, it has new wrinkles and new things and, and we'll get into it now but this not that it's a particularly high bar might be the best match of Horace Boulder's career <laughs> because it, it's laid with it's laid with such story uh, uh, and it, it comes as like a, the latest chapter in this ongoing thing that I was actually invested in a Horace Boulder match and it's it's a thing that Raven is such a bastard that yeah. you're seeing Horace like laying it into him and almost beating him a couple of times, and you're like, like, does Raven have such a hold over these guys? These guys are actually talented wrestlers; they just don't realize it. Yeah, and it all play like it all plays into the, the long term story, and it's such yeah. genius little things like like Lodi Lodi stops Raven from using the the stop sign. But then he allows Horace to use it. Yeah. There are very, that's one of the things I really loved about it was like the varying degrees of reticence going on about this. You know, Lodi seems to not like this fighting at all. Mm. You know, uh, he seems very hesitant to get involved. Uh, but then when the other lads come out like Riggs later on, uh, Riggs is kind of at first he's a little bit oh should I and then he gets involved whereas Kidman who is obviously the youngest no plans about it at could all surmise, yeah. <laughs> yeah could be the you know you would say the, the most easily indoctrinated he's yeah he's the one like you said that has no hesitation no qualms mm -hmm. and just goes straight in um, but this match like I said probably one of the better you know it's not long but one of the more interesting of Horace's career, I don't think he was bad in it. Um, obviously, Raven is the more compelling figure in here. Here's one for you, Lee. Um, how has no one, to my immediate mind, stolen that uh, middle rope corner cross body thing that Raven does? The uh, Emma used to do it, didn't she? 
she does it. Oh, so oh she does it like a does, cannonball style, doesn't she? Like, well, they're down in the. She co- does the it. Corner, Yes, yes, she does it when they're down. It's almost like the fucking uh, yeah. It's it's like a corner cross body when they're when they're sitting down. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas he's doing it, the person is standing in the corner and he launches himself horizontally through the middle rope, basically as he's running at them. It's just a really like it, you know, it's not too spectacular. Um, it, 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 it's it's, it's Sabu esque in that it's using your own body as a weapon. Yeah, it's using your own body as a weapon. It, it shows, yeah. Because he's just launching himself, it shows that kind of reckless side mm-hmm. of Raven where he doesn't give a shit about himself. Um, but, but it's also just a, a, an innovative looking thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not not every wrestler is doing it and it makes him stand out a bit. And it just feels, I think we've said this before on the show, or at least we've expressed it to one another. It feels like a lot of these, uh, a lot of these whippersnappers nowadays, Lee, these young wrestlers coming up need to be watching more Raven. Oh yeah, like, I was going to bring up the the uh, leg sweep into the guardrail is a move I yeah. always pop for. I I don't know why. It's just one of them simple little things. It's I'm going to throw myself back into this this guardrail or security barrier, whatever you want to call it. I know I'm going to hurt myself, but I'm also going to hurt you more. Yeah, and it's that kind it's of just... twisted. Like I can take this pain, can you? Kind of thing, you know. I think people often talk about him, and rightfully so, as being one of the best promos of this era. Mm. But I think he gets terribly underrated in the ring. For sure. Um, Bell to bell. Mm -hmm. I think he's an excellent uh, ring psychologist and storyteller. Um, And yeah, I love his shit. And I think I I can understand why he gets underrated, because people our age you know recency bias and all that tend to remember his WWF WWE run mm-hmm. which was somewhat less than stellar unless you count when he was on a golf cart in that match with Kane <laughs> and the Giant I, I will always love the story of Vince um, in 2001 when he sees Raven backstage at a show and he just out loud shouts who the fuck heard Raven <laughs> But you know what? At least he knew who Raven was. <laughs> well, you know you know the backstory to that one, don't you? No, I don't think I do. Okay, so you know Raven was in WWF in like 93, 94? Yeah, Johnny Polo. Johnny Polo. And he was apparently a very impressionable Shane McMahon was very friendly with one Jonathan Polo. Uh. And they would spend many nights in New York City. I, I'm sure... You know, all above board activities. Oh yeah, like New York City in the early nineties. Like, Jesus, yeah. what what kind of trouble could you get up to? <laughs> and yeah, so then Raven was on the shit list from then on, <laughs> and yeah. that's so when Raven ever got rehired, it was always, you know, Vince wasn't happy. Because <laughs> that that still would have been Jim Ross, wouldn't it? Talent relations. That's yeah, it would have been yeah. And here's the, here's the funny thing. Vince absolutely knew he was hired. He was yeah. Oh no, yeah. He was just making a show of saying fucking Raven. <laughs> no one fucking sneezes around there without without him knowing. But that was during his like because it was at the end of the the Monday Night Wars. That was mm-hmm. during the vindictive like a, a particularly he's he's always been vindictive, but a particularly vindictive period where it felt like he was uh, taking his victory lap and you know just P- pissing in anybody who yeah. wronged him. 
Yeah. The you know the the firing Jeff Jarrett live on on the simulcast raw. Uh, I love I love like Jeff that. Jarrett, but that's such a great moment. <laughs> yeah, I was actually rewatching that raw recently, um, because I I love how car crash some of that invasion era stuff is, um, but I I I always pop for um, Vince calling Panama City the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just like every time he slags the South, and it's like he was born in the Carolinas himself. Oh, it's a, it's a total like internal like he hates himself. Yeah, I, oh, it is. It's all completely like um, trying to uh, project, you know, on other people. But it's uh, it's just gas. Um. So, uh, yeah, Raven. There's a match going on, by the way, lads. Yeah, there's an episode under we just moseying <laughs> off the point again. Uh, Raven goes after Horace with the the infamous stop sign. Uh, as Lee had kind of mentioned, Lodi stops him, uh, but nearly cost Raven the match of the process. Horace senses an opportunity, tries to roll him up, then hits a splash for a two, and then hammers him with the stop sign. Um, one of my favorite things uh, that I don't remember it ever being said on WWF commentary, but I remember being frequently said in WCW commentary is the phrase "El Cabonk" when someone gets hit in the head with a blunt instrument. <laughs> Elkabunk. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I I feel like it was said very often uh, when the chosen one was uh, putting people's heads through guitars. Okay, right. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was the first time in a while I've, I've heard the Elkabunk and roared laughing at it. Um, Boulder hits uh, another splash, this time with Raven laid out on the stop side. It's two again. He sets up Raven in the corner with a sign, but Raven moves and Horace eats the sign uh, and then gets dumped out. Can I just say, because this is the f- the first time on the show, not the first time in WCW and not even the last time tonight, but whatever agent has this uh, almost at this point, I would say fetish for the uh, pulling someone out of the way and replacing them with something or a we- someone else or a weapon in, in the corner spot. I hate it. <laughs> It's such an overdone trope, especially in WCW at this stage. And especially in Raven matches. Like, sometimes it's, like, as a rare thing where it's like, oh, these guys are so dedicated to the cause that they will take the bullet for Raven. Every so often, that's a really good little uh, story beat to add, you know? But uh, it's happening, as you say, in other matches in Mm -hmm. WCW, and it's happening too frequently to be special in Raven's matches. But it's kind of, well, maybe too frequently to be special and not frequently enough that you say, oh, this is just a Raven trope. Do you know what I mean? Um, You can't say, oh, Raven does that all the time. It's just so much that it doesn't seem like it's deliberate anymore. It just seems tired and, and worn out. Um, um, but before we get into the close of the match, I just want to point out that this match yeah. is indeed Raven's rules. Because that's yes. an important note to make. It, it is, um, and one that I feel at this point, WCW themselves have almost forgotten to note. Um, so uh, Riggs is in now, and he hesitated, but not as much as Lodi, who just won't attack at all. Mm. The whole flock puts the boots in, and Saturn comes out to tell them to stop. They appear to listen to Saturn at first. Well, I'll see, you missed, uh, you missed the important part there. As soon as the flock come in and attack Horus... The referee throws out the match because apparently it's not Raven's rules. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> so the the referee forgot it was Raven's rules, but uh, I, as you said, continuity Malone, fair play to you on the job. Um, it should be the match should still continue. This this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. 
Um, I, I don't know if it's happened with Ravens Rules match where it's been thrown out before, but I feel like we've had a few matches that were either no DQ specifically. Yeah, and there's or been like count out or the, I'm pretty sure we've had instances of it already. Yeah. Or, or, or the bell hasn't rung, but the segment just ended or something like that, you know. It, it, we're starting to uh, very much get get into the fast and loose with the what are the rules of the match uh, and such in WCW. And it, let's just say it is a long downhill slide from here mm-hmm. in that regard. Uh, but yeah, they appear to listen to Saturn at first. Uh, but then Horace, who obviously had been on the receiving end of a beating from Raven, gets up and he is the first to attack Saturn and then the others join in. Uh, Canyon comes out to lay everyone out, clear the ring with Saturn, but then Saturn drops him uh, to end the segment. So it's still kind of, it's it, what it's done is it's re-established that the three-way feud between all of them is not over yet. There was little interaction between Canyon and Raven, but it's kind of like, it's establishing that uh, Canyon and Saturn very much still have a problem with Raven, and also Saturn and Canyon have a problem with each other. More specifically, Saturn has a problem with Canyon. Yeah, Saturn seems to have a real problem with Canyon, on yeah, a personal Canyon level. Canyon just keeps coming out to save him. Yeah. And he doesn't I like think Canyon that. just wants to be involved in something. <laughs> yeah, he's just happy to be there. Uh, Tony is on the ramp with Stevie Ray. He said Giant uh, came out when he had... When, <laughs> so he's talking about how he lost the, the TV title and he's blaming Giant okay, for no, it, basically. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Tony asks him about losing the TV title. Hmm. And Stevie starts talking about something. Yeah, I have no idea what he's talking about. Because so, this is incoherent gibberish. Well, what he said was part of what he said was anyway uh, was that Giant came out on Monday when he had Jericho in a conniption and then Giant slam dunked him Um, that is what I understood Um, he said his brother gave him that belt and now his brother is telling him to get it back for him he was supposed to defend it on his brother's behalf and now he's lost it so he's got to get it back he's laying out the challenge to the Giant next week even though that's not the man with the belt uh, he's kind of saying well, that even he, though his he brother, has a belt, apparently. Yeah. Even though his brother, who, for all intents and purposes, according to Stevie Ray, is on his fucking deathbed, has told him that what you must do is get my TV title back. He said, no, do you know what? I've actually got a bone to pick with Giant first. Uh, so he's laying out the challenge to Giant next week. But later on, it's going to be him versus Eddie Guerrero, which like almost an afterthought by Tony and by Stevie. Because it's like right at the very end, he says, oh, you, you've got Eddie Guerrero later tonight. And uh, Stevie says, like, oh, yeah, like great competitor, but Giant. <laughs> you know? Stevie says, um, Stevie don't play with cruiserweights. Yeah, it's such a like poor Eddie. Like, And when we get to the match, we'll like, yeah, poor Eddie. Yeah. Uh, Jericho versus Chavo up next for us. I I, I I did like as Jericho's making his entrance, Lee Marshall yeah. refers to him as the Rumple Rumple Stiltskin of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Because everything uh, he touches turns to gold. Yeah. A, a phenomenal a, fo- a phenomenal assessment of a phenomenal man here who is just like jaw jacking with the crowd. There's one point where somebody obviously says something and he looks back over his shoulder and just flexes at them. <laughs> Just, just tremendous. Just banter them right out of the building with okay. that one. I have, um, I have a, a, a question for you, like a modern day question. What do right. you think of what some people are calling the modern day Chris Jericho, which is Britt Baker? Oh, I'll tell you, I loved her little vignette on Dynamite last week. 
the, the uh, training montage yeah yeah with like the weight attached to the back of the wheelchair yeah. and my, my favorite part of all of it of course being the bit at the end where like her friends are celebrating and in the middle of them pops up tony doing a big thumbs up <laughs> tony encouraging her to come up the ramp <laughs> she's been i uh, you know i uh, it's been it's been remarked upon by people who cover AEW more closely than us, but like the absolute one eighty Britt Baker oh, yeah. has made, uh, you know, she's probably the one of the wrestlers, if not the wrestler, who has benefited the most from lockdown. Oh, for sure. Um, like, it, it, like to me, it's very obvious who's behind a lot of her stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you already mentioned him, mm-hmm. and he's in the segment. <laughs> um, like the the role model, like yeah. just. it's just perfect yeah look and you know people have been um, you know uh, people go back and forth on modern day Jericho and obviously like he's a guy who can't go like he did in 1998 Mm -hmm. anymore but he is like when it comes to just wrestling because like a lot of his takes outside wrestling are fucking stupid um (laughs) But when it comes to actual, the art and the conduct of professional wrestling, there may be no one smarter in the world at this business yeah. that is still active. He is a guy who, like, you know, people are going, God, why are they giving him the Tyson match? I was like, well, one, he is the most recognizable star on that brand still. Yep. You know, uh, you know, much as I love some of Cody's stuff, much as I love Mox, he is the biggest star on that brand and it's not even close. Um, that's one reason and the second reason is because obviously if a match happens with Mike Tyson it is going to be pure smoke and mirrors and that is essentially what Chris Jericho has been doing for a couple of years now since his body really started to slow down there's no one I trust more to get something semi-passable this this is a guy who can go from five star matches in New Japan to getting over a fucking brawl with Mike Tyson to doing comedy bits in cinematic matches. This is a guy who had... Uh, what was that three-on-one handicap match at WrestleMania? Oh, the Legends. 20th? The Legends match. Yeah. Was it Piper? Piper, Steamboat, and... Was it Snooker? I think it was Snooker. Yeah, Snooker was the first one, wasn't he? Yeah. And it was great. Like, I'm not saying it was five stars, but, like, in terms of box office, like, you know, he got so much out of them. Like, I remember, it's one of the last times I ever heard JR have passion in WWE was when uh, he fed in for Steamboat's arm drag. <laughs> yeah. I just, JR loses his mind, but like, you know, Jericho is one of the, I, I Joe Lanza said it last week, actually, or, or recently, anyway, on, on the VOW flagship. He said, Chris Jericho is one of the greatest to have ever done this. People just need to fucking accept that at this point. You know, um, pre-return in 2007, it obviously would have been much more up for debate. He'd only had the one very uh, booked into oblivion, undisputed title reign. Um, He hadn't had some of the greatest matches of his career that he would have in his second run. But I think now in 2020, like, can you imagine? It's 13 years since he came back. (sighs) (laughs) Like, isn't that fucking ridiculous? Like... I like, uh, doesn't that, that just made me realize like I was just twenty one when he came back as the big return. Yeah. yeah, and if you had told me then he'd still be doing it now at at a very high level, you know, in terms of profile, I I would have laughed at you. But uh, yeah, no, one of the best to ever do it, that's for sure. Um, and yeah, he is a, a, he is potentially an unbelievable influence on a lot of those wrestlers there, and well should be. 
and a man who I, I think is going to become one of the biggest stars in the business with uh, Jericho uh, putting them under his wing is Sammy Guevara as well. Oh, that, that, um, that guy is like two... He's one I, the I want to say three years from now, that guy is going to be the biggest star in AEW. Yeah, I just like the amount of people they have there at a very young age who are being mentored by the right people mm-hmm. is fucking sick then. Uh, anyway, uh, back to Thunder. Uh, <laughs> so apparently Jericho broke Pepe when Chavo was wrestling Stevie on Monday. Good, says I. Um, Mar- Lee Marshall here, the voice of reason, saying, guys, this is a stuffed doll head on a stick. It's not fucking secretariat, basically. <laughs> is what he's saying. And then I love, because Marshall over this shit at this point. So when he said it's a stuffed doll head, not Secretariat, Tony goes, well, Secretariat is dead, actually. And Marshall says, oh, okay. <laughs> really pissed <laughs> off that his point was killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not what I'm fucking saying, Tony, but thanks for burying me anyway. Kind of stuff. I, I, I um, love when they cut back from a break in the match and it's a close-up on Pepe. And yeah. like Marshall's like, is that a bandage around his neck? Mm-hmm. And he has the band-aid on his nose. Yeah. And, Bra- yeah, and, then, and Brain pipes in with, well, you know what's wrong with him, don't you? And and yeah. the two of them very earnestly go, no, what's wrong with him? He's horse. <laughs> <laughs> his big book of dad jokes cracked out for that one. Uh, just before that, though, the, the comeback for the breaks, we had Jericho was in control. Um, and then Chavo fired up, did a stupid dance. I think it was supposed to be like Chandler's friends dance. It was quite popular at the time. Um, and then, like, does the classic mini thing of biting Jericho on the arse, which I think made both of them look stupid. Um, then we had the horse-horse joke. Uh, and then I just start, like, I start to go off on one here. I'm just like, I zone out so often in Chavo matches that even with Jericho in there in this match, I cannot get invested in the match. No, um, no, yeah, a total I, nutting match, this. Yeah, um... He's so bad at comedy wrestling. He's doing some of these comedy wrestling spots and I'm not laughing. And he's so bland at serious wrestling that he's like, he doesn't fit into any niche that would interest me at all. Saturday Night would be a good niche for him. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't focus on any one thing. Like his matches flit between the manic and the comedy and the serious wrestling. And I get that's part of the intention, but how it comes off is this guy is not very good at a lot of aspects of wrestling at this point. Um, Chavo begins to gain the upper hand on uh, Jericho till Jericho beheads Pepe once more and stamps on it, which sends him into a rage that uh, gives Jericho the advantage to nearly roll him up. Chavo gets sent outside, but retrieves a second Pepe, which is a baseball bat tied to a stick tied to Pepe's head, cracks Jericho to be DQ'd. Uh, and I was kind of just relieved it was over, really. Yeah. No, look, anything involving Chavo at this point is just shy. Yeah. And I, I really um, just want him to go away. Yeah. yeah it is, it's proper go away heat. It is. Um, we're back with the commentary team now who talk about... And this was, this was good, I thought, to build up the US title match, even if they didn't want to give us a video package at the start of the show. They're talking about how, like, it was a... You know, we, we shouldn't underestimate that it was a massive deal for even Lex to be able to beat Bret Hart and that it's a very tall order to bre- beat Bret Hart twice in one week. Um, And they talk about... At one point, I can't remember if it's during this or they talk about it later on in the night, about how... Brett tapped, you know, mm. to the torture rack and how, you know, 
it's rare to beat Bret Hart. It's even rarer to tap the man. Yeah, out. I think I think tonight is the one that brings it up during the match itself in the main event. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I was trying to think of it. Like, can you think of many Bret Hart submissions? Um, he tapped in a match with Benoit, didn't he? At one point, I can't remember if it's happened yet. He does he tap to a match with Benoit. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, <laughs> I thought he taps out Benoit. Oh, maybe that's it. That's the tribute match. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So I'm getting mixed up. So maybe not. Um, but I, like the only one I can think back to, and it, he doesn't really give up in it, is the Backland title win. Yeah, and that's not real. As you said, that's not real. Yeah. Like other than that, like who would he have faced that was a submission wrestler? Do you think this is one of those things where maybe this is the first major time he's tapped out and they didn't make a big deal of it at the time and only kind of maybe Heenan seems like somebody who, who, who would have noticed kind of stuff. Yeah. And like maybe 10 minutes after they went off the air and one day I was like, fuck, like we should have said something. Well, I mean, if they had been listening <laughs> then, to Brett, I'm sure he would have pointed it out. Really? Brett doesn't seem like a guy who'd split hairs like that, Lee. I don't know what you're talking about. He doesn't seem like a pedant that takes himself too seriously. Um, they also mentioned that Brett was trying to use an illegal object that he never got the chance to in this match. Speaking of Brett, Brett is here. Uh, and he's once again in his Hulk Hogan t-shirt like a fucking geek. He's, like, he's just a fan honestly, of Hulk Hogan. I mean, what, what's the big yeah. deal at this point? Right. Wearing the Hogan t-shirt one time, you're like, okay, he, you know, they don't have merch from yet. And he's in the NWO. And, well, he, he's not know. in the NWO. So, well, no. Yeah. Like. He's associated with them. <laughs> it's, But now it's just a thing. He just wears the Hogan t-shirt. He wears the Hogan t-shirt, so, comes out to his own music. Yeah. And still wears black and pink. Which, by the way, is shite. If we were to talk about his music. Oh yeah, it's, ver- it's very much the, the Muzak version of his WWF song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the royalty-free version of the Hitman theme. Uh, he said it must be nice for all those in the crowd to gloat about Lex being champion. He says he knows what they're thinking. Another big loss for Brett. He has everything on the line tonight and you won't see it happen again tonight. He's prepared and then finishes off his promo by saying Lex is big and strong with muscles coming out his ears. Um, I don't think this is the worst Brett promo we ever saw. Thankfully, it didn't outstay its welcome. It wasn't too long, but uh, it's still, I wasn't exactly compelled by it. I think it, they made a point of sending Brett out because there would have been a lot of Canadian fans that travel down mm. so they're just doing that whole thing of you know sending out the guy that's probably going to get a few more cheers than usual yeah get him in a couple of yeah. segments um, oh and before people point out no Montreal does not count as a submission yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> god how was not that how was that not the one that immediately came to mind um, because of course next because up, of course that was the biggest work of all time of all of all time um, just ask Cahal. Um <laughs> Next up, we have Lee's favorite matchup in World Championship Wrestling. What? Why, why again? Why, why are we seeing this match again? <laughs> it's the Dancing Fools versus the Public Enemy. I could swear, Lee, that this is about the sixth time we've seen this. Sixth match. week in a row um, has to be. But like, I've uh, I I cage match searched this this exact matchup, and like, it only happens about five or six times over their entire tenure. Yeah, but the, and I think just a lot of it was concentrated around now. <laughs> but you also had Disco and Tokyo Magnum against Public yeah, Enemy. Yeah, I guess there's been, yeah. <sighs> and I'm sure there was singles matches um, between them. 
This was so scintillating that I was just crowd watching at the start. And I think I noticed a man dressed as Kane in the crowd. Did you see this guy? No, I saw the Ultimate Warrior kids. Yeah, the Ultimate Warrior kids are there. Uh, but there's also a guy who's like, I, I could swear I saw like the cane arm and glove and then the frizzy hair. Um, but it was it, it was like a blink and you'll miss it thing when they're outside the ring. Um, it's mostly just the Public Enemy boys beating the shit out of Alex Wright. Alec, Alex Wright reverses um, a double whip spot where they're trying to bonk the two of them into each other for a little bit. Gets a bit of fire. Runs straight into a tilt-a-whirl and it's all Public Enemy again. I, 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 I tell you what, ring. that tilt-a-whirl slam by Johnny Grunge. Yeah. yeah. Shades of test it was that smooth. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Has anyone here said Shades of Test before? I mean, look, you you compare Andrew Test Martin to uh, Johnny Grunge. You point you, you, you point out the differences to me. <laughs> he uh, the table is in the ring now, and so is Tokyo Magnum. Uh, Alex Wright pulls Tokyo in the way. This spot again, uh, and he gets steamrolled by Grunge instead. Uh, Wright then capitalizes on Grunge's confusion and hits the Hangman's Noose neckbreaker, just a reverse neckbreaker. Uh, on grunge to win uh, but that doesn't matter because then <laughs> in a moment in a moment that was like stone cold Meng Austin is the way I would put it Meng just comes out and kills about 10 men you, you know Matthew's uh, great little segment of send for the man yeah <laughs> how about we just have send for the Meng yeah this reminds me very much of you know the um was it the Booker Buff match where they just sent Angle and Austin out to beat the shit yeah. out of them because the crowd was dying to death. Um, so this is just like this match was so terrible. Let's just send Meng out to kill they anybody punished, that gets punished near the them ring. for being so bad. Yeah, so Meng immediately hits the ring. Like I like I'd say he was running out. Like he hit the ring at about three point one. I would say, um, and. He starts attacking. Tongan deck grips both uh, of them, uh, of the fools. Rocco is like, when this is happening, when the fools are in the Tongan deck grip, Rocco is like standing perched on the top rope like he might attack, but then I think he realizes he mistimed it. So he gets back down, walks across the ring, and gets up on the other turnbuckle. Uh, Barb and Jimmy are out now to try and attack. He no-sells a pair of them. Death grips Barb. Rocco then jumps off the rope very awkwardly. Double tongue and death grip on the public enemy. He kicks a ref over, takes out Jimmy and a second ref. And it's just, just one of those moments where it's like, Meng just bails out and he's still pissed and shouting. And just like the camera pans across the ring is just this field of bodies is laid strewn across it. And like, I don't know how to feel about this. Because right, okay, the match was shite. We'll get that out of the way. I, I don't think there's much controversy in no. saying that. Match was shite. I kind of loved the post-match. It's just a shame it wasn't like a young, up-and-coming beast of a guy and it was Meng. Because, obviously, having been a fan of World Championship Wrestling um, in the period, say, late 98 through 2001, I know that the momentum of Meng coming out and killing guys is something that would often be revisited and never really delivered upon. Yeah, so I, I know enough of my WCW history, like remember from watching at the time, that I know Meng doesn't go away from now till the end. No. And it's something that they constantly go back to of, oh, Meng's an, an, an indestructible monster and then he loses the hardcore title to Brian Knobs. 
<laughs> you know, so th- this is something that we'll see a lot over the next two years. And yeah. look, Meng is fine. This was, like you say, this was fun because it's like disposable jobbers, basically. Yeah. But you know it's going yeah, nowhere, it, so... It reminds me very much. This is such a this is such an insult, and I really don't want to insult Meng because I'm terrified that he'll attack me. Um, it's it's kind of, and this is not slagging him; it's slagging the booking of him. It's like the Bray Wyatt cycle for years in WWE. You know where they'd forget about him for ten months of the year, and it's like, oh fuck! Like we need him for this spot on a show. Let's heat him up again. You know, see if it's still, you know, it's still good. It's still good. <laughs> uh, and then immediately after that match, completely forget about him. So this is what happens with Meng. Like, periodically, you'll have a segment on a Nitro or a Thunder where he'll kill scores of men. <laughs> and then just, it leads to maybe a pay-per-view match that's like third on the show, if even that. And then nothing. So, yeah, it's 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 hard to get invested. Like I said, if this was a Goldberg or this was a, an up-and-coming guy that you're like, oh, this guy has momentum, you'd be like, shit, yeah, that was awesome. But uh, this is kind of like, I, I enjoyed it in the moment, especially because it was killing some geeks that were sick of seeing against each other. But I'm kind of like, I'm not filled with inspiration and hype for where yeah, it's going to go. That, that, that's the worst part of it. Yeah. So, uh, next up, we have Kevin Nash. He's out. Uh, and he's saying that he's seen a lot of red and black in the crowd tonight and he likes that. He wants Goldberg to know that he was trying to do the right thing on Monday and in the Battle Royal and throws out the invitation to the red and black. Um, and yeah, he, he kind of said that he thought him and Goldberg were cool after the um, after the Battle Royal because Goldberg in the bar that night or something like that bought him a long neck beer and he thought they were cool, but... he. He doesn't think they're so cool anymore, so he wants to try and straighten it out and invite him to join the Wolf Pack attack. Um, and what I love about this was the indignation of Bobby Heenan at the end of this segment, where he says, "So all you got to do to join the Wolf Pack is spring for a long neck for this guy." <laughs> it would be Bobby that'd point that out, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, this next part uh, for the Nash versus Hennig match with Rick Rude on on the outside is where I first noticed the. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior guys, who at first I thought were all dressed as Surfer Sting until later on in the show when they're doing the uh, the the Ultimate Warrior poses. Uh, there, There's also a sign in the crowd that I really appreciate that said, we've been drinking since 316. <laughs> I missed that one. Which I, I, bet, I bet is not inaccurate. Uh, Nash dominant in this match from the off. Uh, uh, but <laughs> this is one of the points where, and someone said it to us, we, we had, I think, an early match of the Thunder run where Hennig looked okay. Uh, but it has been remarked to us several times about how, essentially, from this period on, uh, Kurt Hennig is a busted He's finished. The, the, like, I think, the, I think the knee injury finished him. Yeah, it's clear the body is not with him anymore. And, you know, he's not exactly in here with a guy who's going to be able to carry him to a four-star match mm-hmm. in, in Kevin Nash, God bless him. But uh, they're on two different pages here, and um, it, it's really poor. Uh, there, there's a point at which Nash does the bit where you get the guy in the corner, you grab him under the arms, and you hoof him across the ring. So he goes to do it, and then halfway through, Hennig backs out of it, doesn't want to take the bump, and he ends up just kind of pirouetting. It's like they were dancing. It was, 
it was very strange. Yeah, not 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 a good look. Didn't you know? It, like you said, it's just not a good match. It, it like for two guys yeah. that you think would have decent chemistry, they just it doesn't appear to be there at all. Yeah. Um. Awkward spot after awkward spot till um. Nash does his uh, hanging up Hennig in the ropes and running into him with the knee from behind. Um, Rude jumps in. Rude then, Rude that then gets in, takes out the ref and tries to square up to Nash. And this got like a huge pop. Like people really wanted to see Rick Rude, Rick yeah. Rude throw down here. And you know what? I was one of them. <laughs> uh, because it's something they've been um, building to for the whole run of Thunder. Yeah. That Rick Rude one of these days is going to square up and throw mm-hmm. down. Um, and it just didn't happen. Hall comes out and attacks um, Nash from behind. Lex sprints out to make the save. Next up, Stevie Ray versus Eddie Guerrero. Uh, what I this is my we're going to talk about how disappointing the rest of this match is because I wrote very little about it. But uh, the undisputed highlight was during the entrances where they talk about a ticket launch happening in Greenville for Nitro. And we have the most, uh, the I think the most obvious moment where all the commentary hit the cough button at once, because we have brain roar. Because uh, yeah, Tony first says that him and the Nitro Girls are going to be at the lodge. He says the Nitro Girls are going to be there, and you know what? Yours truly will be there as well. And Brain immediately reacts to this by saying, lock up the women and children, Tony's coming to town. And then Tanae pipes up with a lock up the Nitro girls. And <laughs> Tony, inconsolable, just goes, boy, there, there's a line in there. <laughs> and then you, you hear the start of the three and them pissing themselves and it just goes quiet. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I love these three on comedy because it's very obviously yeah. just three mates having such a laugh. Trying to pop yeah. each other. Um, and try, because, trying to get yeah, each other yeah. in as much trouble as possible as well with their wives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there's like, there's a couple of lines that he has uh, that Brain had earlier in the night about, um, have you ever had something done to you before? Oh, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> when he bites, uh, Travel bites Jericho's ass and Brain just pipes oh, up yeah. like, are you sure you'd never had this happen to you before? <laughs> yeah, 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 he's yeah, like, yeah. we're not going there again. Yeah, <laughs> poor poor Lois gets an awful batter. Listen, the show, she's, she's the most consistent character in wrestling in the past twenty years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it, it's a twenty plus year payoff to them hitting Lois Shivani's music and her coming out and dragging Tony away by his ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A proper like by crook. Like, or she comes yeah. out and attacks Britt um, Baker. <laughs> I just love the idea that you know he says lock up the women and children, and Tony's just sitting there going, "Children, what, what the fuck are you on about?" <laughs> Like, uh, the the three them are in bits, and then there's a bit where they um they all slagged Tanae off for being an old man. They were like, they said something about like nine o'clock being his bedtime or something like that in here. Um, oh, that was gas. And they 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 give him shit for recapping uh Stevie's promo, and he yeah. and he says hell, and the two of them are like, you can't say the H word. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just recapping the promo. Yeah. I did, yeah, it's basically I didn't say I'm just saying what he said, defense. It's brilliant. Um, but this match, very much not. This is Eddie Guerrero trying to wrestle a broom, but a ro- a broom that is dead weighting him. Um Yeah, Eddie Eddie gets nothing in this match. Yeah. I I hated it. Yeah, it, I, it, I it, really such a waste of Eddie's talents. Yeah. Like I had been 
kind of I'm not saying that the the matches were classic up until this point, but I think most of this show up until you know the last two or three matches. I think had gotten back on that balance that we enjoyed from the early Thunders mm-hmm. where there was storyline progression and even the matches that were bad weren't happening for very long. So I, I it, it, for the most part, thought this show went by quite quickly, but it starts to really slow down here at the end and this is the moment where I most kind of like looked at my watch. Yeah, no, I, I found myself dozing off watching this part of the show. And it's not even that long. You no. know, I think... These last two matches take up about 20 to 25 minutes of the show, and that's at a push. Um, But yeah, it's it's just very bad. And Giant and Hall come out with their red uh, beer cup scouting Stevie, uh, which is meant to be a distraction. But then Stevie, and it kind of like, obviously Eddie got nothing in this match. So partly you start thinking, oh, Eddie's going to get the roll up. And that way, kind of, you know, Stevie looks dominant, but Eddie doesn't look like a geek. But no, Stevie just hit the slapjack and it looked like shit and he won. Uh, this was a load of piss I wrote <laughs> yeah that was awful yeah um, next up it's the main event it's Brett it's Lex um, and I wrote what the fuck is this funky Muzak Brett going on got going on in his entrance it, like it was just it's the first time I've noticed it properly and it's awful I know we, we, we um, talked about it before like on the early episodes when it was him Bulldog and Anvil Oh, now, yeah, now it's all coming back. Because Bulldog oh. and Anvil continued using Brett's music after he defected. Yeah. Um, Lex, is, uh, the, the match, the story they're trying to tell from the start is that Lex is trying to keep Brett close to him mm-hmm. um, so that he can't kind of break out and, and gain an advantage. It doesn't work too well. Brett er, very quickly begins to dominate the match. Um, it's really funny here because like Brett is obviously the heel but something I've noticed and we pointed out in a, is a trend in heel Brett matches in WCW is that his heat segments have no fucking heat in yeah. The fans don't care about Brett. And it, 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 no. it's sad but they just don't oh, care. Yeah. No. He's, he's not their guy and it, it, I think it's almost that simple. He is not a WCW guy and the fans just never invested in him. Yeah, I, I think as well, now obviously, you know, wrestlers probably see things uh, differently most of the time where they talk about working the marks and, and things like that. But, you know, I find a lot of the time, in certain ways, wrestling fans see through bullshit, if you know what I mean. Um, And if if they're out there and there's a guy who is just doesn't give a fuck, you know, and he's not really trying and especially when it's a guy who if they were watching the other program they had seen what giving a shit Brett looks like Mm -hmm. and they they just reject him one because as you say he is he was the guy he was the franchise for the the competitor so in a lot of these WCW strongholds and among the WCW fans he was never going to be one of theirs as you quite rightly say but I think as well they're like on some subconscious level, it's like, this guy isn't trying to win them over either. He hasn't bought into the company at all. And no. Like, I know, like, not a lot of people were on the internet and were, like, reading The Observer and stuff like that. But, like, you think about... On, on America Online. <laughs> but, like, you think about, like, all the Observer, the Torch, all this stuff, fan, fan sites would have been full of... Brett never went wanted to go to WCW. Brett turned yeah. down WCW in 96 for more money 
he didn't want yes. to leave the WWF. Like, it's in the documentary that comes out later this year that he didn't want to leave. And, and, and it's interesting for a man who, who you know, I, I don't want to have the, the Brett debate again. Well, it's not really a debate. The two of us agree on it. Um, but I don't want to have the Brett discussion again, necessarily. But it's a thing where it's an interesting note on the man's personality for a guy who I, I think is renowned for taking himself so seriously. That his reaction to what happened in Montreal, as much as it was egregious and he was the wronged party, I think there's a lot of people who would go to WCW then and go, do you know what? I'm going to give it my all to bury Vince in the fucking dirt. You know, I I am going to fucking light a fire under myself and under this company. And we are going to go to the next level. And it's an interesting note. on it, it, That's how you think Brett would react mm. based on how seriously he takes the business and how seriously he took being screwed. But he just checks out. Yeah. Like completely checks out. I think, I think know, if he had been five years younger, he would have had that yeah. reaction. Yeah. I I wonder just, you know, even like, obviously Montreal expediated things in terms of him burning out professional wrestling. But I wonder, as you kind of have half said there, I wonder was he getting to a phase in his career where you know Alexander wept for there were no yeah. many no more worlds left to conquer. Was it a thing where he he just didn't really care that much anymore? Like, and what had kept him going maybe the last while in that heel well firstly he was getting the heel run where he was a hero in Canada and that felt like a bit of a refresh but I, I wonder was the main thing that kept him going the last while in WWF just the spite of Sean like that I, I think if you if you track his career from the first title win so yeah. like 92 he wins the title against Flair then he has the big Wrestlemania rematch or chance to win it back at Wrestlemania 9 he doesn't He then he has the big moment with Owen and then win the belt at 10 so from there on yeah. he's the guy He he's basically been the guy in the company from 92 then he leaves. He, he, he has two full years as the undisputed mm-hmm. number one. And then the remainder of his tenure. Uh, it's kind of shared. That, like, yeah. I, like he is kind of. He is. He's one B. At best one. At best one B. Yeah. There are time. And depending on who you ask. People would have said he was still one A that whole time. You know. Um, it's the the interesting thing about the Sean Brett debate. Is that you know. It depends on what flavor you prefer. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, I think with the way everything was going, had he stayed along six months longer, he would have gone to 1C. Oh, yeah. You know, with Austin. And even with Sean gone, the, the gulf between how hot mm-hmm. Stone Cold was and where Brett would have been would have been immense anyway. But, um, see, that's what I was going to say. Like, after he left in 96 and then had the return. So, like, he had the return. He had the matches, the, the critically acclaimed matches with Austin. The two of them, the Survivor Series, the WrestleMania match. And that, that was his demand coming back, yeah. wasn't it? He wanted He wanted good field. matches, yeah. yeah. And then he has the big heel turn. So it's like he's done everything. At that point, he had done everything. He'd been the babyface champ. He's now like the most yeah. hated guy in the company. And then after Montreal, what was going to be the plan? Sean was going to be the heel. So where, where did that leave Brett? Yeah. 
I wonder, yeah, like, because now that I think about it, I haven't watched it in years, and it'd be worth digging out again. Um, but, like, I always felt that even before Montreal goes down, if you're watching the early parts of Wrestling with Shadows, mm. like, the guy looks tired. Yeah. You know, and obviously the documentary picks up and he's already like he knows he's going to World Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So that that's probably part of it. But like just generally, he looks like he's kind of done. Like, you know, I'd imagine like that summer in WWF had to be so intense for everyone. Because yeah. like you have Brett and Sean just fucking hating each other. And then yeah. you have Austin coming up who's trying to stay out the fuck away from the two of them. And I can imagine, like, just backstage, like, the, like you had Taker doing his shtick. And yeah. I can imagine it was just a poisonous, horrible place. So I can, yeah. I can totally see why somebody would just be tired. I think that's a great yeah. description. That's incredible because, you know, such a, like, a toxic atmosphere. And it produced probably the best single year of television they ever had. Yeah. You know, the most compelling, that, anyway. That's because they were all out to era. beat the other guy. Yeah, everybody was out to top each other. There was motivation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, screw job aside, like, yeah, maybe that's it. That, like, once you pluck Brett out of that and there isn't that driving factor anymore because, yes, it's still toxic and political in WCW, but in an entirely different way. It's not about trying to outdo each other. It's about trying to, like, keep the younger guys out of the, out of the top mm. spot because we want to earn our, our, our money kind of thing. Um, and maybe the fact that he was arriving into a company that because of that wasn't a meritocracy and like, like he wasn't going to earn the most because he was having the best matches and here's the other thing there was one big match for Brett in WCW and that was Sting yeah. and they wasted it yeah and I can imagine Brett was just after that point I'd say he was just done yeah because he'd had fair matches he'd had Scott Hall Nash the Hogan match obviously was the one the, the biggest one sorry so he had two matches yeah and the two of them were just squandered. Yeah. Um. I, I feel like, and I have it here somewhere in a box, I have the Brett book. And at some stage, I think I'm going to dig it out and read about WCW in it. Because um, I know, you know, to a fault, he doesn't really hold back on how he feels about some things. So I, I've never read that book cover to cover, but I, I, oh, it's I great must... Book. Well, sorry. Yeah. Great, probably. It, it's an interesting book. Yeah, it's just that it's so like it's so exhaustive. Yeah, like it's so because I, I remember. Do you remember before that came out? Like for years, on like uh, you'd hear on Wrestling Observer Live, you'd hear Dave go, "Yeah, like Brett is on." I he, Brett told me he's up to about four hundred and fifty pages on his book, and he hasn't even got to Montreal yet. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone thought, "Oh yeah, funny joke, Dave." And then the book comes out, and we're like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like you know, I, I can remember when I got the book because my my mom worked in Easons, which is like the big book distributor in in Ireland, uh, and um, so when he was doing the signing, I didn't have to go in to meet him. I just got a signed copy. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember when she brought the book home, and I was like looking at the side. I was like, "This is fucking amazing!" Like I, I was overjoyed, but I was just like, yeah. "It's, I think it's legit, like five hundred pages." Oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, and like big as well. Do you know what I mean? It's not a small. No, in terms of there's a lot of words on each page for that length. The, the, the font is small. <laughs> yeah, uh, fuck yeah. But anyway, so uh, yeah, Brett gets no heat is what we're saying. <laughs> Um, the crowd it's funny because it's a thing where it's not like the crowd are just tired and done for the night because anytime Lex does something they the crowd gets fired yeah. up you know 
Um, they raise their spirits here because Lex does like the most bog standard comeback stuff in the world. Where he hits three clotheslines and then clotheslines Brett over the top rope and they love it. Um, Brett has a chair but Lex is too fast and clotheslines him. Lex takes the chair and he takes too long to decide what to do with it. Uh, or perhaps the ref misses a spot a little bit. Uh, the ref grabs the chair, holds it. Uh, Brett then bonks into the pair of them. The ref takes a bump. DDT's Lex on the chair for two. He sinks in the sharpshooter. Lex holds on until he passes out and Brett gets his belt back. Boo. Uh, I'm not saying it would have been like we would have got some absolute classics with Lex with the US title right now. Um, but I, I've just never really, in except in very exceptional circumstances, I've never been a fan of the uh, one TV show to the next TV show title reign and then switch. Yeah, it, it, it feels uh, a bit... Like what was the point? Hot, what was look, the point of it? It's it's a thing where look we're gonna have to deal with a lot more of it as time goes on, but it, it's it's one of the things where again it's the second time in as many shows where I'm really trying not to verge on on a cornetism or anything like that, but it is a fairly true thing about wrestling that like hot shotting belts devalues them. Mm-hmm. There is a certain, when you protect the belt, there is a certain value to it and the belt can help make the guy. Um, but if you're doing shit like this, like where it's just, you know, as Vince Russo would infamously say, a fucking prop. Um, like what, what merit is there to this belt? Yeah. Like, it, I don't want to say it meant nothing to Luger, but like, yeah. Can you see him coming out on Monday Nitro and being all pissed that he lost the US title? No. Yeah. So that like that'll tell you. Yeah. It's like the old because that's the other thing, like the whole um being flippant about losing a belt as well, I don't get. He was annoyed here, Brett was annoyed earlier on about losing the belt, so that's that's appropriate. But yeah, I don't imagine Lex being wah wah about losing it uh, on Monday, but I stand to be corrected. Um that is the end of this program. Um, Lee, what did you think of it? I, I said earlier on that I felt like yeah, maybe two thirds of this show absolutely breezed by and I enjoyed it for that. But then it really slowed down at the end. On the whole, how did you feel about the program? I'm, I'm similar to you. I didn't hate the show. I enjoyed certain segments and there was enough that I would say was a, a good show. Like there was enough that didn't drag the rest down. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'd completely agree with that. Who, who are your winners and losers, my friends? Oh, easily Raven, Saturn, Canyon. That that whole story has, has my full attention. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I couldn't disagree with that. What about your, your loser though? Eddie. Eddie. Nobody, yeah. nobody comes out of the show looking worse than Eddie. Yeah, it's really like blink and you'll fucking miss him mm-hmm. on this. Like that's how. And this is a guy who. And, you know, I hate to take out the old stick and beat Chavo with it again, but that's the feud he's been in for ages, and it's hard not to think that that has devalued him quite a bit. Um, Yeah, it's, it's just a shame. Our, our finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga. We've got seven matches, four clean finishes, two DQs or countouts, and one non-finish. Uh, and of course, our linear martial arts division uh, champion is still one parent's Saturn. Um, 
that's going to do it for another episode uh, of Days of Thunder. Uh, as we always say at the end of the program, uh, please do share around the show. Tell a friend about it. It's the it's probably the best way to spread a podcast is to just tell a mate about it, recommend it. I know that's how I pick up new podcasts, generally speaking, is when someone else has recommended it to me or someone I follow on Twitter has tweeted out a recommendation mm. to it. Our Twitter is at WCW Thunderpod, where we will interact with, with you guys, the Thunder Buddies. Uh, we're getting back to it a bit more this week, as I was saying, kind of with everything that's going on. Right now, we we didn't really feel like posting all that much lately, short of the bare minimum to let you know we're still here. Um, but we'll be, we'll be back at it this week, and we'll also be back at it uh, over on Instagram.com slash WCWThunderPod, where we put up our Beers of Thunder, which there's a backlog of Beers of Thunder I need to put up, and we put up <laughs> uh, interesting and funny photos we see from the shows we're watching or behind-the-scenes stuff from me in post-production on the show different things like that um but please do interact with us on both twitter and instagram any platform you can find us um do interact with us it's one of our favorite things to do especially on weeks like this where we could all use a bit of a, a pick-me-up is to interact with you guys the listeners hear what you're enjoying hear what your takes are on some of the matches on the shows and the things we've said like you know you might think you're, you're risking the ire of your your thunder hosts but uh nothing is more interesting to me than when i've had tweets come into at wcw thunder pod that disagree with me you know that, that oh, yeah. fucking fucking i don't know what dave is smoking here like i was we we had a, a really interesting discussion with each other and on the show as well about how a lot of people's kind of uh the way they reminisced on Road Wild was entirely different to how we interpreted Crazy, the show yeah. watching it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, that stuff is really interesting to me. Uh, and we like to use the Thunder Buddies as a bit of a crutch during this period, especially when they, um, if they were watching at the time and remember it when neither of us would have started watching Thunder yet at this point, just yet. So all that stuff is really interesting. At the day to Dave is my individual um, Twitter handle, Lee at Malone underscore 713. Um, as well, this week, I promise our first blog entry is going up again <laughs> because everything's gone on. I just haven't felt like um, writing about wrestling. It just didn't feel appropriate. But I, I have most of uh, most of the writing of this first blog post goes up. I'm going to be re- re-reviewing um, all the Beyond Wrestling Uncharted Territory shows, which I think has been one of these tastemaker regular shows in in North American indie wrestling. I love Beyond and their output. Uh, And just to give you, Lee, like this was their, they started this weekly show at the start of last year. Um, So it was April, 2019. Mm. And their very first, this is how stacked Beyond cards are. Um, Their their first show had um, SoCal Uncensored versus Team Pazuzu, which at the time was Chris Dickinson, Ortiz and Santana. Uh, MJF Kimberly, the Beaver Boys versus Aussie Open. Uh, there's a Chris Statlander AR Fox match on here. Uh, Brian Cage and Jordan Grace versus Orange Cassidy and the Session Moth Martina, and the main event Masato Tanaka David Starr. So like that's the the kind of caliber of shit you're talking about with Beyond Wrestling. Uh, I have my IWTV sub and I love it. It's it's like one of the the subscriptions I make sure I keep every month. Um, and it's kind of in the age of uh, no fans wrestling 
it's a great show to go back on and to see great matches in front of hot crowds and I'm hoping that people will join me for that journey and it gives me an excuse to talk about some wrestling that isn't WCW Thunder for once oh and um, if people are going back and watching old wrestling feel free to tell us what you're watching yeah because you know, we, we definitely we... enjoy that as well you know yeah, because this is the thing as well, like, um, for the blog going forward, you know, we kind of joked about, huh, let's give Lee ideas for things to write about. But even if it's not something that we'll put on the blog, like, we don't just love Thunder, well, we don't even love Thunder sometimes, but uh, we don't just focus in our own uh, downtime on, on Thunder or WCW, so, like, I'd love to know what other wrestling you guys watch out there. You know, I, I know with New Japan's restart, there's a bit more excitement in the air now about 2020 wrestling. So I'd love to see what people are watching. Um, I know everybody today, as I was gearing up for this show, was watching the the famous All Japan tag because it is the, the anniversary today of that, arguably the greatest professional wrestling match that ever happened. Um, so a lot of people watching that but I love that stuff and I think we can all use some kind of sharing great matches around to kind of lift the spirits while we um, while the world falls mm-hmm. apart at the seams and while we wait for life to return back to normal from lockdown so yeah as Lee said just anything uh, you want to tweet us about we're we are here for it at WCW Thunderpod that blog by the way is wcwthunderpod.wordpress.com uh, so do check that out over the weekend though we will tweet out a link as soon as that post of my first uh, Uncharted Territory review goes up I wouldn't by the way and I know I've got on with this <laughs> closing segment for a long time but I wouldn't expect like a kind of the way we do it here where we do like move for move breakdowns and matches and stuff like that those posts are going to be more my general thoughts and things i enjoy from watching the match uh or watching the show it's not going to be anything too detailed at least that's the plan at the moment uh but anyway for us at days of thunder for myself for liam alone thank you for listening in we will be back in two weeks talking uh episode 28 of thunder until when until then look after yourselves be safe and we'll talk to you I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you